0: Well, it's my privilege to look into John's Gospel again. And we're looking this evening at the story of Jesus walking on the water. Now, we did look at this some time ago from one of the other Gospel writers, so I'm hoping to you look at it from a different angle and uh, hopefully speak to you from that. So I would like to pray, please, before we go any further. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. And it is your word. It's not mine. It's your word. And we pray that the same Holy Spirit that breathed this word into being might breathe upon the speakers and hearers alike. Lord, we want to remember every family who has been touched by this virus, every family where, sadly, there's been bereavement or there's sickness. And we ask, Lord, that you will draw close to them and be with them at this time. So, Lord, speak to us from your word. If we're going to be encouraged, it's going to be from your word. Scripture says, by faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so may this evening our faith be increased. We thank you for all the ministry throughout this day, all of equal importance. And we just pray it will dovetail together in our seeking to serve you. So bless your word to us now, we pray. Amen. Amen. Whenever I pray before I preach, I'm not sure whether I'm praying more for myself or for you folk but um, I appreciate that. So let me read you the portion of scripture we're going to look at. It's John John chapter 6 and I'm going to read from verse 16. On the, the when the evening came his disciples went down into the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three and a, uh, three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the waves, and they were terrified. But He said to them, "It is I. Don't be afraid." When they then they were willing to take Him into the boat. Immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading stop there. If I read on, we'll never get home tonight. Okay. So again, it's a very well-known story. There are different gospel writers give us a story. One of them speaks about Peter walking on the water and others. But we're just going to look at this portion tonight. And of course, the fifth sign that is that the fact that Jesus walked on the water. Previous to this, he fed the 5,000. Previous to this, there was healing. Previous to this, there was the water into wine. And so John is saying to us, these things are pointing to who Jesus Christ is. That's the most important thing. You may not be a theologian, and you may not be too sure of your scriptures, but if you know who Christ is, the Saviour, and you know where he is in scripture, then you won't go far wrong. Get that wrong, you've got everything wrong. Get Christ right, and you've got a chance to do something marvellous with your life for him. Well, very simply, as I've said, the background is very simple. The disciples were getting into a boat. were told their evening had come. Now, for the Jewish people, there were two evenings. There was an evening that started at three o'clock, and there was an evening that started at uh, sunset. Now, this was the latter one. This was obviously the three o'clock, what they would think of as evening. Um, it was sun because it tells us they're very sim- earlier on that it was getting dark. So this so, so was the second of those times when they would use that phrase evening. Um, It tells us previously the people had seen a tremendous miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. We find in John 5 there, they declare that Jesus was the prophet coming from Deuteronomy 18, 15, where God said there, the prophet would come like me That's the great promise of that Deuteronomy verse. So when the people said the prophet has come, they were really, if they understood that scripture well, they were acknowledging that Jesus was none other than God, like me. This prophet that God prophesied would come would be like him. And of course, Jesus Christ was not only like God, he was God. So he wasn't like him in his behavior. He was like him in his essence and in his being. Well, as a result of that miracle, they wanted to make him king, and Jesus resisted that, as you know, and the disciples were sent ahead of Jesus into the boat, and he spent time in prayer after those events. So I've broken this little portion down into three three parts, maybe to help us. First of all, there's the journey, and then there's the passenger, and then there's the destination. And um, I'm hoping that as we look at this story, we can identify with it in so many areas. It's not just a theological statement as to the identity of Christ. There's some real practical down-to-earth help for you and me during this time, particularly of lockdown. So let's have a look at the journey. Well, very simply, um, he, his disciples went down to the lake. The journey began. They were on one side of the lake, down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. Now, these disciples were in the will of God. It's very important to say this. I think I probably really emphasised this when I spoke on the Peter walking on the water. These disciples were not out of the will of God. They were encouraged by Jesus to go ahead of him. They were encouraged to get into the boat. And it says, when evening came, They went down there. In Mark 6, 45, it says Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. So whatever takes place after this, we know that these disciples were obedient. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing as they were told. And the great challenge is this. They were going to face a storm. And we mustn't assume that storms will always speak of the disapproval of God. There are storms that of perfection. I think I said that last time I preached. Perfection. And Jonah had a storm that was a, a storm of perfection. Jonah had to learn to do as he was told. And there was a storm, etc., and the large fish, you know the story, I'm sure. And then there's not only the storms of perfection, where God is perfecting us. So we mustn't always assume, oh dear, I'm going through a tough time, what did I do wrong? You might not have done anything wrong, God might be just preparing you for the next step forward in what he has for you to do for him. Well, this was indeed a a storm of perfection. They were going to learn to trust Jesus. Again, you don't need me to explain that in our homes, in our families, and in our society, We are in a storm at this time. It tells us they went down and got into the boat and they set off. And then it tells us something very clearly there. It says there, by now it was dark. So we have some ingredients here. We have darkness. We have the absence of Jesus not in the boat. And we have a storm. We have men who are rowing to get across the other side. This wasn't, there was going to be effort, there was toil. They were tired. But maybe the greatest challenge they faced wasn't the darkness, nor the storm, nor having to row. I think the challenge was that Jesus wasn't with them. And they had mistaken his physical presence for his spiritual presence. But we have one advantage over them. We know that the physical presence of Jesus is not going to be with us. The scripture tells us the heavens will contain him till he returns. But we know that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is always with us. So whether he was on a mountain praying, he was with them. Whether he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, his Holy Spirit is making his presence real. So it was dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. It says there was a strong wind and the waters grew rough and they had been rowing for three to three and a half miles. Well, I'm almost tempted to say it was an uphill struggle. But you know, that's almost a picture of our society at this time. We have a society in darkness. How depressing. So many, so many feeling um, 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 emotional pressures at this time, loneliness. Christmas was not what we would have expected. We didn't meet the people we wanted to meet, we couldn't do it. And as Christians, we have to set an example in these areas of obeying the law. There were strong winds and how the storms are blowing at this time in our nation and in the world. And so we can identify with this story inasmuch as we're in that boat, the boat of life, the boat of challenge, the boat of our society, and things are difficult. Darkness, wind, waves, pressure. Now, I don't want to sound too negative about this. There is some good news. There is some good news coming, and his name is Jesus. He's the good news. The good news is not a formula. It's not believe these seven things repeat this formula. Listen, the answer to everything is Jesus. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And so here we have them in this situation. They were in darkness. They were in problems. Now, in the natural, we want to get into the light. In the natural, we want the waves to stop. In the natural, we want to get to where we're going. A lovely verse I found in Isaiah 45, verse 3. Whenever I say I've found a verse, most people say I've known that verse for years, but it's, I've, I, I've heard it, but I've never meditated on it. It says there, he said, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in a secret place. And you know, it may well be that as a church, as a uh, as individuals, and as a society, there are treasures even in the darkness that we face now. New people who we are meeting, and you know, at the moment we are praying for a member of my wife's family who is extremely ill with the virus. She's just been moved hospitals today, and I'm talking to people um, um, about this and assuring them of our thoughts and prayers at this time. Doors have been opening in these ways. Treasures are available and opening for us. And so don't be too swift to say, oh, I want to shake this off. Always ask yourself, Lord, are you teaching me something? Is there something going on in here I have to learn? Now, before you start prophesying over others, let me tell you now, 99.9% point nine percent if there is such a number he wants to talk to you about you sometimes i've met people that have a word for everybody else and i have a word for them but anyway that's another story but you know this it, god wants to speak to us he will give us treasures out of the darkness riches from the secret place he will talk to us about ourselves first that we might become more like Christ. Well, okay, so we have the disciples in a boat, in a storm, in the darkness, with no Jesus there. It was a test of faith and a test of patience. Well, we move on and we find in the story, when they had rowed three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the waves, and they were terrified. Of course they were. This, well, had never happened before to them. Some of them were seamen, uh, fishermen. This was not heard of. And immediately they were terrified because it was out of their thinking. It was beyond their thoughts at this particular time. They saw Jesus approaching the boat. Now, I don't wish to sound comical, but it must have been amazing to the thought, the mental process, trying to have, understand all that was happening here. There they are. In the dark and out of the dark and out of the waves, and it says Jesus was walking on the waves. It it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mill pond. He was coming in the storm. Even the storm wasn't going to hold him back, coming towards him and walking on the waves. And it said they were terrified. Now, some fear is good for us. You know, some fear is good for us. You know, I mean, if um, you see a car coming down the road and you're in the middle of it. You need to be frightened because you need to get out of out of the road. That fear would inspire you to get out of the road and let the car pass. And there's other silly illustrations I could use about fear. Do you know they actually built a temple to the god fear? In Sparta, there was a temple to the god of fear, and it was actually brought to Rome as one of their many gods that they would have worshipped. Imagine having a, imagine worshipping fear, going to a temple with an offering towards fear let me tell you this has nothing to do with christianity jesus came walking on the water and they were frightened they were fearful they were terrified and jesus did immediately dispel that fear we're building no temples to fear we have nothing good to say about it other than in the natural where it can prevent accidents etc and it came and then out of that that vision almost it would seem to them through the waves through all the darkness they see this figure and then Jesus speaks and that's what happened the first thing he did was not to come closer so they could see him but he spoke he said it is I and they um, immediately he said it is I I don't be afraid, and those two things can't be separated. I could say to you, don't be afraid, and I just hope you won't be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to believe God. But when Jesus said it is, I don't be afraid, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spook, I'm not an apparition, I am, please, it sounds flippant, I'm the real thing, I'm the real thing. And the moment they came to that understanding, their hearts calmed down. In our stormy, dark, weary world, Jesus comes to us and he reveals himself. And then it says in verse 21, and then it says, Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Then they were willing. So up till this point, when they saw him, they weren't willing to, they didn't want this ghost or whoever it was. By the way, I don't believe in ghosts, but that's beside the point. That's in their idea. They were terrified. One of the other gospel writers speaks about that. So they were terrified, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to let him into the boat. And you see, when he identifies himself, and we know it's him, And that's why the sermon title says, will you invite Jesus into your boat? Because, please, there's no point having him outside the boat. No point saying, wow, look at him walking on the water. Get him in your boat and the the waves will stop. Get him into your boat. Get him into your life. Get him into your home. Get him into your family and make him the centre of things. And watch how life will change. What a a beautiful phrase. They were in darkness and the light of the world came to them. They were in a storm and the peace of God arrived. They were frightened and the Alpha and the Omega came to them. And it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. If you're not a Christian this evening, may we just say we're thrilled that you've decided to, to tune in and to be part of the service, maybe on the Sunday or on some catch up. It's really great. Have you ever considered inviting Jesus into the boat of your life? There must be some spiritual desire for you to be even listening, particularly when there's better preachers around than me. There must be some some desire. There must be some awaiting, some searching. I dare to say that that is God, the Holy Spirit, just drawing you closer to him. Please don't leave Jesus outside your life. You say, God, my life, you don't want to know about my life. I don't want to know about your life. I really don't want to know about your life. But I know this, whatever you've done, whatever you might think you are, whether you think you're wonderful or you think you're terrible, it makes no difference. He died for you that your sins might be forgiven and you can invite him into your heart and your life. And that's your boat, your heart and your life. It's the most important thing we can do. And Christian friends, KT family, You're going through a tough time, some of you, because of the lockdown, because of the challenges and furlough, financial challenges. Please, this isn't a time to push away. This isn't a time to say, well, you know, I'll um, I'll get on and do things my own way. You know, God doesn't answer prayer now. And what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. You're in a storm like the rest of us. And you as a Christian need to look up. Because Jesus is on his way and you need to have faith to invite him back into your life, back into the circumstances so that he can prove who he is to you. Now that sounded not very theological, him proving who he is to you. He doesn't need to do that in the theological sense. But sometimes when we're in the darkness and we're in the storm and we're frightened, he might seem a million miles away. Well, please, he's not a million miles away. In fact, he's never left you. He's never left you for a moment. He he couldn't leave you because he loves you so much. Well, just moving on very quickly. You're listening ever so well. I know it's probably more difficult to listen on someone online than maybe on the platform, so I'll, I'll, I'll be kind to you if I may. Okay. So they said to him, um, he said, don't be afraid, and they, they were willing to take him into the boat. Then there's a lovely phrase that says, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, that's the destination. So we had the journey, which was of storm. We had the passenger, who was Christ, and now we have the destination. Now it says, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, one commentator says that, This could well have been part of the miracle, that in some marvellous way, one minute they're in the middle of the sea, three and a half mile out, the next thing they're on the shore. Please, if the Lord Jesus Christ wished that to happen, it would have happened. Other commentators say that because of that, the storms subsided and they got there safely and they got there quickly. Whatever you're comfortable with, do a bit of research. Look at the other gospel writers and come to a conclusion for yourself. But the point I want to make is this. They got where they were going. I am sure there were times when they were in that boat, when it was dark and windy, you don't need me to go through the list again, but no Jesus in the boat, and they wondered, will we ever get to the other side? Is there going to be something? Will we ever get to the other side? Listen, friends, you will. Will we get through lockdown? Course we will. I can't wait to have my jab, my injection. Oh, the sooner the better. You know, I mean, if you know one anybody who doesn't want theirs, I'll have theirs. You know, vital, our wife and I, we can't wait to get these injections and get it safe and we can get more active and more involved in things. You know, great. You know, um we'll get through the lockdown. We'll get we'll get through this. We will get to the other side. How will you manage? You'll manage. How will I cope? How will I pay the bills? How? Look, there's so many questions you have. I don't doubt that. I'm not belittling them, okay? I'm facing not too many challenges at the moment, but some of you are facing a lot. Let me say this. If he's in the boat, you'll get there. If he's in your heart and your life, you'll get there. Oh, but what about, listen, I don't want you to keep saying, what about? I'm telling you now that if he's in the boat, it says immediately the boat reached ashore where they were heading. And I suppose in one sense, where are we heading? Well, heaven. Well, Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm near the end of my life in the beginning. That's for certain. Well on the way. But I don't know when I'll get to heaven but I know there are destinations God wants me to reach. There are shorelines I've yet to go to in faith in him that I might fulfill something for him. It may not be what I've done in the past, but there may be something new that will have to adapt what I do because of age, et cetera. But please, we're heading somewhere. We've got a future. As a church, so many unknowns as a church. We can plan it. Pastor Colin is talking, I think it was in the first service this morning, about the numbers, hundreds of people who have linked to the church during this time. Thank you, Lord. And and one way we'll be thinking to ourselves, well, what will church look like when the lockdown's over? Do you know what? We're not sure. But you need to decide that you're going to be part of it. This isn't the time to think, well, I'll jump boats. No, listen, you stop in this boat. You stay with us. You pray for us. You support us. Because this lockdown is not going to curtail the ministry of Kensington Temple. Let me assure you of that. So there we have it. So is Jesus in the boat of your heart and life? Is Jesus in the boat of your family? And above all, please don't be discouraged Yes, society is in a storm. Um, but listen, with Christ in the boat. In fact, we used to sing a song in Sunday school. I didn't go to Sunday school in that sense, uh, but I talked in it for a while. I think I started teaching in Sunday school because there was a girl in Sunday school I liked. Don't tell my wife, please. Uh, well, it was long before I met her. So I thought, well, if I get to, if she's a Sunday school teacher and I'm a Sunday school teacher, I can spend some time with her but she didn't win the star prize, I'm afraid. Anyway, you know, we used to sing, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. And then we'd repeat that, smile at the storm. Well, I'm not asking you to smile at the storm, but with Christ in the vessel, you will, and let me quote the scripture to you, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. I don't know where God has put you. I don't know what direction you're heading in, but you'll get there because Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He said, it is I, it is I, don't be afraid.